Well, hello, and welcome to Success Secrets and Stories. My name is John Wanolowski, and I am here with my co-host, Greg Powell. Hey, everybody. And we're here today to talk about secrets. And our secrets are usually associated with psychology. MBR is the psychology approach that I, you know, Greg and I are using for this podcast. And MBR has a interesting quote of an agreement is a commitment to produce a result. Um, a little bit of Dr. Durst's thing in, in terms of agreements is in order for your life to work, it must be based on agreements in terms of your relationship, your job, your company, your marriage. They all produce something called satisfaction to produce to the extent that it makes you better so that you'll keep agreements. If you don't have satisfaction in that relationship, in that job with your friends, it's a lie. There's a broken agreement. And that I think is very key words in terms of understanding agreements aren't just a business application. We're going to talk about business. That's, that's the idea of the podcast, but it has to do with everything that you're dealing with in terms of a relationship. The other component that I think is very important on, on the same basis is there's no such thing as a 50-50 partnership. And I mean, Greg and I are partners. We, mm -hmm. We're 50-50, but he takes 100% responsibility for his subject material. I take 100% responsibility for my subject material. And we bring that together as a team. That's the essence of what a commitment and an agreement and satisfaction is based upon those key components. If you're in a 50-50 proposition in terms of a partnership, you're expecting certain things to happen by other people. And that may or may not be occurring, but that really is where the challenge is at. If it isn't ownership, in order to get that end result, that agreement, that, that whole process that you're going through, there is where you start to have that conflict of whether you're, you're going to get an agreement. Now, the other thing that Dr. Durst was talking about, and he had a different term for meetings. We're just going to say bad agreements, but he had <clears throat> uh, a BS agreement. Okay. So or BS meeting. And, and we've all dealt with those kind of meetings and they start late and they don't have an agenda. They're, they're running over schedule. No one seems to make, be making a decision. Uh, no one's really very clear that they're responsible for the end result. No one knows who's going to be following up. That That's your typical train wreck. And in, some cases it's like no dessert, no coffee, no donuts. It's, it's like the ultimate, yes, we'll, we'll, we'll meet again in another week and do this all over again. There's no satisfaction in that meeting. That's the, the component that is missing. And we all deal with that. That's that empty feeling, knowing that you're going to go right back into the same routine a week later, have exactly the same kind of frustrations as you're walking out the door. So, John, I recall back in the day working with a gentleman who was really, really good at meeting management. And he would always start off saying, is this a two large pizza meeting or a three large pizza meeting? 
because it was really important for him to say, gosh, if it's three large pizza meeting, you probably have too many people. We're overrepresented. So let's make sure we got the right people covering the right roles at the right time. Yeah. I mean, the, I, the, the other version of that is that we would end up having stand-up meetings. And you can have an unproductive, complete waste of time standing up as well as sitting down. They they occur whether you're sitting or standing. It's more painful if you're standing. So usually it's shorter, but it doesn't mean that it's going to be successful. If it's if it's usually smaller, it's probably more along the lines of somebody in that room has to take responsibility and they're going to do it. Um, so accepting responsibility. Um, again, the line of Dr. Durst's, I think, underlying message on everything that he produced was, we are responsible for everything in our experience, whether we like it or not. So accepting that responsibility, working out a mistake without the feeling of regret or, or shame or, or guilt. They say that it builds character, but I think all those things that are associated with being responsible are the components of character. It fosters trust and respect, uh, encourages ethical behavior. Um, I think that's one of the things that I had in my book where I was accepting responsibility for a meeting, for making a mistake. And the humor that I got is that I had people after the meeting tapping me on the shoulder going, you know, you're putting your job at risk, admitting that you did something wrong. <laughs> I said, it was. it's harder to remember the lie than to tell the truth. I'd rather tell the truth. If I made a mistake, I made a mistake. If they're looking for perfection, I'm not the guy. You're probably looking for a carpenter, but it's not me. Now, ways to accept responsibility is something that I think is worthwhile to try to expand on a little bit. You have to prioritize yourself. If you're in that committee, you have to understand that you're not supposed to be there blaming others. And you should be focusing on the solutions rather than trying to rehash the problem. It's the next step. That's the important part. I have found that sometimes it's better for me to be able to step away and saying whether I'm being productive or being counterproductive. So it's trying to be a little bit self-reflective. The, the key is to be in the now, to be in the moment so that you can have a productive meeting. Okay. So there's another quote that I really like, and it's from a Chinese philosopher. And I know what you're thinking, Chinese philosopher. Well, those who know, do not talk. Those who talk, do not know. Now this is from Lao Tzu who is, I guess, a contemporary of Confucius. But you know, like the last thing I want to say is that I understand Proverbs. That makes a lot of sense. So, John, I got one for you from 1976. Oh, If well, I it, claim to be a wise man, it surely means that I don't know. Yeah, oh, I, yeah there's a Kansas reference. There you yes, go. Indeed. Carry Kansas. on, Woodward son. Yeah, carry on. <laughs> so, I think... We've been in meetings where the people that really shouldn't be talking are, are the ones that are talking. And sometimes it's just to fill in that void and man, it's like chatter. And that, that, that's the key. If, if you really have something that's productive and, and sometimes I've been caught with, you know, those situations where you have to stop the meeting, a poor leader 
will usually, you can tell and it's really not going to work is when you're talking about bad leads or bad customers, or it's a bad year or the training was bad or poor executive leadership. Um, that's excuses. Those aren't, those, those aren't things that you're supposed to be working on in a meeting. If you're, if you're really finding somebody who is engaged as a leader that has to put a committee together to find a result, you'll hear things that are coming out of that leader, like working with the staff directly, providing special incentives, holding weekly meetings with an agenda, doing progress reviews that are not finger pointing exercises or they're encouraging success that are being accomplished rather than highlighting the failures that are, that are being noted in the meeting, looking into special uh, seminars and training in order to give his staff or her staff the tools that they need in order to be successful. That's engagement into the solution rather than simply pushing or kicking the can down uh, the road. You're a real leader in a meeting Someone who's interested in the agreement, someone's interested in finding satisfaction. Those those are the people that are investing the time and the energy. And the bottom line is, in order for your life to work smoothly, it takes you doing what is necessary to keep agreements with yourself, with others, and promoting those relationships with others that are mutually beneficial. That's another Dr. Durst quote. Now, I have to admit that. We're all going to be in meetings, and Lord knows that there's enough meetings in the normal business environment. When they do go awry, there's, there is an interesting piece of magic meeting dust that I like to talk about. Um, it is the SBAR report. And I've seen senior management, um, this wonderful lady that, that, could barely get her head over the the podium with the microphone. And as soon as the meeting started to go awry, she stopped authoritative voice, picked out the person that was starting the discussion, which this was a nursing. This was another nurse, an executive nurse, and gave her the responsibility of developing an SBAR report. An SBAR report is what it stands for is a situation background assessment and recommendation. It's a one page document. And it's something that's actually pretty popular. If you look it up on a website, it's a, it's a great format. What's interesting about the format is it drives people in order to come up with a solution. And in this committee, they had the solution. As soon as there was an S bar and there was a person identified with it, it was driven to a result. They gave a solution. The, there's very few times that an SBAR report would go back to committee because they couldn't come up with a way to address the problem. 99% of the time I've heard about an SBAR report when it came back to those committees is that it was the solution that they were reporting on because the, the finger pointing and the blaming was done. As soon as that report format was created, it was driving people to try to get it done. Um, a great tool. So an SBAR report, in my opinion, is a great way to recenter a discussion, to quickly drive it to results. And it, it, it's the requirement of a leader to know when 
to use those tools when it's being productive. You know, if you're, if you're going into a meeting and you're conducting it and you don't have an agenda, you're already tying your, hi- your hands behind your back. You, you need to in, ensure that people are capable of getting that end result, finding that satisfaction. Now, Greg, you have a few examples of leadership from an HR perspective that it's different, which is one of the op- opportunities that we have that we share. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your experience? Thanks, John. I've got two stories. One is a negative story. One's a positive story. Um, the negative story, there was a new leader appointed, promoted to a very senior role in the organization. Uh, I think actually he was being put on display for consideration for CEO someday. Very bright, very strong in strategy development, but he always had a his way or the highway approach, but he got results. He demanded challenging results with a promise of large incentive payouts in his most recent example. He was not the best listener. Of course, we had uh, update meetings, progress meetings. Folks were trying to tell him some things that were going on. He didn't want to hear it unless it was positive. So, that, so that's like uh, Dr. Durst's dictator, right? That's a dictator leader. No question about it. He was trying to bribe people with incentives, um, fear, uh, just no real agreement on his part that was matched up with the agreement on his direct reports. I had one of my peers, because I reported to this gentleman as well, that was talking to me about the low morale and the fact we weren't going to reach our goals and that folks were going to mail it in. They were just going through the motions because they didn't buy into it anymore. Leadership had failed. Wow. So this gentleman did not accept responsibility and he blamed the staff for the failures of the team. Uh, Ultimately, he was terminated. I think to this day, he missed uh, the point of what was going on. It wasn't about being kind of a strong leader. It was about having an agreement with your team and the team having an agreement with you and both of you carrying out 100% of your your opportunity there. Next story is more positive story. This is about a leader that was at the achievement and responsible level. Um, He was hired from uh, outside. And when he came on board, he reached out to me to discuss his approach to leadership at our company. I said, that's a great idea. Come on down. Let's talk. And he was at one of our satellite offices and he was going to be visiting our home office. Very smart guy, very experienced, but equally as humble. Uh, He suggested after he introduced himself to the team that he would say, hey, what can I do to help you make your job better? I've told you about my background. I've told you what I think I'm here to do. What can I do to help you? And I got to tell you, that endeared him to the folks that he was going to be working with. Wasn't, wasn't he also doing the, the, the component about listening as well as talking? I mean, that, that's one of those key components of what you're looking for in a leader. That is right. He was a very good leader, a listener, and he modeled that behavior very well. Uh, he was also into training, um, mentoring, and he had people's backs. And they needed to know that, and they knew it. Uh, and so he took responsibility Folks did their 100%. He did his 100%. And ultimately, we promoted this gentleman to a vice president role, and there was no surprise in the house. And I think, uh, as John and I talked before, some folks even said, it's about time. Uh, this guy's been yeah. exemplifying these right you know, behaviors forever and a day. Yeah, but when they demonstrate it, right, and mm-hmm. you know, they're leading by example, and it sounded like he was trying to develop people at the same time. That's right. Yeah. So effective tips. I mean, one of the things that you had talked about too is um, being prepared. Those, those, the, the five P's 
of being prepared and punctual and positive and polite and precise. No, no, any kind of word trick that you can use to improve your ability to communicate, use it. it it's okay. Whether it's, you know, the five P's, whether it's the smart approach, whatever, whatever methods helps you work it down. S bar, all those things are tools that you can use. There's, there's no reason that you can't bring it to the meeting. If people haven't heard of an S bar report, then, you know, help them, teach them. Um, it's all the part of fun of being in management is exposing others to techniques that you've learned. So why not? So Greg, what are we talking about in our next podcast? So John, our next podcast will be examples of leadership's practical guidelines from a manufacturing organization that are universal. And uh, just to do a little bit of a, a surprise here, Johnson & Johnson will be the company feature. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to, yeah, it's a little bit of my background in the world of where I used to be. And uh, yeah, that'll be kind of fun to go over. So um, if you like what you've heard, my book is available on amazon.com and lulu.com. My ebook is available on Barnes and Noble. You have found success secrets and stories. Thank you. It's also available on a lot of other podcast formats. Dr. Durst's books and his MBR program is available on successgrowthacademy.com. The music is brought to you by my grandson. So, Greg, thanks. Thanks, John. As always, next, next time. time. <laughs> All right.